Amen. All right, well, we're there in Acts chapter 12, and tonight we are finishing up this series on Drop Dead. We kind of take, took a break from it. I don't know if you forgot about it, uh, but I had one Sunday night where I preached a sermon about uh, that reprobate, Dario Shazier, that's moving to Del Paso, and then we had Brother Stuckey preach, of course, while he was here. So we kind of left off on, a, on, on one last story, which we'll finish tonight, and then we'll get into a new series on Sunday night here soon. If you remember, we started uh, and we learned about Onan, then we learned about Nadab and Abihu, then we learned about Azza. Last time we were talking about this series, we learned about Ananias and Sapphira, and we've been learning about individuals in the Bible who dropped dead. That's why the series is called Drop Dead, people that God killed, and we're just learning why God did that and, and what we can learn about it. And here we learn about Herod and his death. Now, Herod, of course, is a very famous character in the Bible, and we hear a lot about Herod, but here we learn about uh, his death. If you look at verse 20, Acts 12 and verse 20, the Bible says, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. So here we learn about Herod's death and his death and the sin that upset God so much that caused God to have an angel smite him and kill him right then and there was the sin of pride. Now I'd like you to keep your finger there in Acts 12. That's obviously our text for tonight. But go with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 13, and I want you to understand something, and we're going to look at this subject and this idea of pride tonight, and we're going to uh, learn about pride from this story of Herod, but I want to begin just by way of introduction and explain that pride is a very ugly thing. It's something that is not nice to see or observe in the lives of others. And unfortunately, pride is something that is very clear to see in others, yet it's so difficult to see in ourselves. It's very clear to see when other people are struggling or dealing with pride, and yet when pride is staring us in the mirror, it's difficult for us to see it. And I don't want you tonight to think, well, I'm a humble person, so therefore this sermon doesn't apply to me. The fact that you might even think that thought shows that you might have a problem with pride. And here's what I know. All of us have a problem with pride to some extent, to some point. So I don't want you, as we go through this sermon, to think, oh, this is exactly what my husband needs, or this is exactly what my wife needs, or this is exactly what uh, you know my kids need, because here's the truth. This is exactly what each and every one needs because we all deal and we all struggle with pride and pride is a problem. And today people think like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with being arrogant. There's nothing wrong with being prideful. But what you need to understand is that pride will bring problems into your life. Are you there in Proverbs 13? Look at verse number 10. 
Proverbs 13 says this, and I want you to notice when, when God makes these types of absolute statements, it, it's really interesting to me because, you know, usually when we make statements, we'll say 90% of the time or 95% of the time, we make up these statistics or these percentages that we really don't have any idea about. We'll say most of the time, and, say, and then sometimes God will say something like this. He'll say, the love of money is the root of all evil. And we're like, really? All evil? But that's what he said. And if we believe the Bible, we have to accept it. We have to say, well, God knows, and God knows better than we know. And here in Proverbs 13.10, notice what God says about pride. He said, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. And here's what I know based on the Bible. Whenever there is contention, whenever there is uh, argument, when there is problems with individuals, whether it's spouses arguing, whether it's uh, maybe co-workers arguing, whether it's fellow church members fighting and arguing, whenever there is contention, pride is involved. Because the Bible says that only by pride, only because of pride, it is only because of somebody's pride that contention cometh. Only by pride cometh contention. And here's what you need to understand, and here's why this sermon is so important for you and for me, is because if we want to have lives, if we want to have lives that are free of contention, then we're going to have to have lives that are free of pride, because only by pride cometh contention. And just know this, just know this, whether you are a parent or whether you are a pastor who deals with a lot of contention and a lot of problems, just know this, whenever somebody sits at my, uh, in my office and there's some sort of contention that is happening there, I know this, at some point, to some extent, pride is involved because only by pride cometh contention. And if you study the Bible, you know that's true. In fact, if you study yourself, you know that's true. The Bible says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that warn your members? You know, we know that it is our desires on the inside when we don't get what we want and what we don't get what we think we deserve. Well, that's pride. And here the Bible tells us that pride brings contention. But I want you to notice, not only does pride bring contention, pride also brings destruction. You're there in Proverbs 13. Uh, flip over uh, to Proverbs chapter number, I think I might have miswrote the passage. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Go to Proverbs chapter 16. Look at verse 18. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18. By pride cometh contention. But not only by pride comes contention, also the Bible tells us that by pride comes destruction. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. You say, Pastor, why would I want to listen and pay attention and try to learn and apply and identify pride in my life? Here's why. Because it will bring, if you don't get control of pride, it will bring a lot of contention into your life. You say, well, I don't care about that. I like to fight with people. It's kind of my thing. Okay, well, realize this. Not only will it bring contention into your life, but it will eventually bring destruction into your life because God promised, and he kind of gives this absolute statement, and he says, pride goeth before destruction, which means you cannot have pride in your life and not have destruction that follows and a haughty spirit before a fall. And God reemphasizes this throughout the Bible. Go, go to Proverbs uh, chapter 18. Look at verse 12. Notice what he says in Proverbs 18 and verse 12. And this is all just by way of introduction. Proverbs 18 verse 12. 
Proverbs 18, 12, the Bible says, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Just another way of saying pride. And before honor is humility. You want to be honored? Be humble. You want to be destroyed? Then lift yourself up. Then get haughty. Then get pride-filled. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Look at verse 2. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, the Bible says this, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. And here's all I'm telling you. If you want to have a life that is free of contention, and you want to have a life that is free of destruction, you're going to have to have a life that is free of pride. You say, why? Because pride is ugly. When you see it in your parents, when you see it in your spouse, when you see it in your coworkers or your boss or your employer or fellow church members or wherever it is, when you see it and you identify it, it's ugly, you don't like it, it annoys you, but realize this, that we often don't see it in ourselves. And pride brings contention and pride brings destruction. Now go back to Acts chapter 12 and let's look at a few things that we can learn in regards to pride. And I'd like you to write these down if, on the back of your course of the week place. You can jot some notes down maybe. And if there's, there's certain things that we need to understand, and if we understand them, we can grasp them from this story here with Herod, then they'll help you with keeping your pride in check. Because here's the point. You have pride. I have pride. We all have pride issues. We all have arrogancy issues, and we need to learn to keep them in check. So let me give you three statements. I'd like for you to write these down. Number one. Everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Everything you have to be proud about, whatever you have to boast about, brag about, to hold over somebody's head, to say, I'm better at this than you are, and you're not as good as I am, anything you have and everything you have to be proud about was given to us by God. See, in the story, we find a man who is a talented man. Notice verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, he had nice clothes, he sat upon his throne, he had a successful career, and made an oration unto them. He stands up to give a speech. And this is kind of near and dear to my heart because this is what I do for a living. I stand up and speak for a living. I stand up and give orations three times a week for a living. That's my job. And here we have uh, Herod who stands up to give this speech. And he must have been a very talented speaker because the people said in verse 22, and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And this is where the mistake was made because it wasn't a voice of a God that was speaking to them. This man with these talents and this ability to be able to communicate, to be able to hold people's attention, to be able to take something that was maybe complicated and make it simple, to be able to instruct in such a way that they could walk away and learn and apply it to their lives. That was not given, that was not given by by a God, but that ability was given to this man by God. And everything, everything that you have or anything that you have to be proud about, you need to understand this, was given to you by God. Keep your place there in Acts. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4, you're there in Acts. You're going to go Romans, 1 Corinthians, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. I thought about doing this tonight, and I decided not to just because... I don't want to make this sermon super long, and we would have spent a lot of time doing it. But in the Bible, you often find this term or this phrase where it says, whenever it talks about someone being uh, prideful, it says that their heart was lifted up. And if you study that phrase of people's hearts being lifted up, you'll find that people had their hearts lifted up because of their beauty, 
You find that people had their hearts lifted up because of their riches. You find that people had their hearts lifted up because of their successes, whether it was kings uh, who were winning battles or kings that were doing things in their kingdom. People got their hearts lifted up because of different reasons in their lives. And here's all you need to understand. Whenever you find yourself kind of leaning into that tendency, that human tendency to say, wow, I'm good at that. Wow, I'm great at that. Wow, I'm getting all these compliments because here Herod is getting compliments because of his speaking ability. But whatever it is, whether it's beauty, whether it's riches, whether it's success, whether it's your uh, you know, athleticism, whatever it is, whenever you find yourself being tempted to have your heart lifted up because of something that you have, realize this. That everything that you have and anything that you have that you could be proud about was given to you, was not produced by you, but it was put in you by God. 1 Corinthians 4, look at verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. For who maketh thee to differ from another? Now notice the idea is, he's, he's not saying you are different than others. He's saying who makes you different from another. And the idea that he's given us here is in the areas that you are different from others, whether it's beauty, success, talent, whether it's intellect, whether it's your ability to do something uh, uh, then in comparison to other people. He says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? And then he says this, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? What talent, what ability, what strength? What intellect, what knowledge, what do you have? And I'm not, don't, don't answer out loud, but ask yourself this question. What is it exactly that you have, that you have, that is a Bible-believing Christian who believes in the Bible, who believes in the God of the Bible, who believes that there is a God that created you, that there's a God that equipped you, that there's a God that favors you, that blesses you? What is it exactly? And I'm asking you, don't answer out loud, but answer in your mind. What is it exactly that you have that wasn't given to you by God? And if the answer is nothing, which is the correct answer, then you really don't have anything to glory about. Then you really don't have anything to brag about. Then you really don't have anything to boast about because everything that was given to you, everything that you have that you might potentially get your heart lifted up about was actually given to you by God. Notice what he says at the end of verse 7. He says, now if thou didst receive it, Oh, well, I'm really smart. Where did you get that from? Well, God made me that way. Okay, well, if thou didst receive it. Well, I'm really talented with music. Praise the Lord. Where did you get that from? I'm pretty sure God gave that to you because there's nothing you have that God didn't give to you. Well, I'm really really good with money. I'm really uh, good at business. I'm very successful. I'm very beautiful, whatever it might be. If, if, If whatever you have, he says, now, if thou didst receive it, Why dost thou glory? The word glory means to boast or to brag. He's saying, if what you have you got from God, then what are you exactly bragging about? As if thou hadst not received it? And here's what he's saying, and here's what the Apostle Paul is kind of teasing out for us. He's saying that we must remember that every blessing or ability comes from God. Any success you have is because God allowed you to succeed. Anything you have to be proud about, anything you have to brag about, was given to you by God. Let me show it to you in another, in another passage. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. 
If you're there in 1 Corinthians, you go backwards. You've got Romans, Acts, John, John chapter 3. I'm not going to take the time to read the entire context for you, but here in John 3, we have John the Baptist, who's a very successful minister in ministry, who the Bible says that all of Judea came out to hear him preach, has now kind of lost his ministry a little bit. He basically gave a platform to Jesus. When Jesus came, he looked at all the people that were following him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And then all those people that were following John, now all of a sudden they're following Jesus. And people are asking him about this. And they're trying to kind of, you know, see, what do you think about this? Is this bothering you? Are you envious of the fact that all men go to hear Jesus now? And the answer, and he gives a lot of answers that are great, but the one I want to key in on is in verse 27 when he says this, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And please understand this. Whatever health you have, whatever wealth you have, whatever success you have, Whatever you've got going on in your life that potentially could get your heart to be lifted up, please realize this, that you do not have that for any other reason than God gave it to you. Than the fact that it was given to you from heaven. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you start at the end of the New Testament and you head backwards, you've got the book of Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, James chapter 1. Do me a favor, when you get to James, put a ribbon or a bookmark or your bulletin there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. James chapter 1, look at verse 17. James chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Please understand this. Please understand this. Everything we have. Everything we have that we could potentially be proud about, every ability, every, anything, whether it's secular or spiritual, everything we have was given to us by God. And when we understand that, it'll help us check our pride. Because I've got nothing to brag about if everything I've got was given to me. I've got nothing to boast about if everything that I have was given to me. Now go back to Acts chapter 12, and let me give you the second point. We're talking about understandings to help us check our pride. And the first understanding, the first thing that you have to be clear on in your mind is this, that everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. Anything you have to be proud about was given to us by God. And here's where contention comes in. When we take what God gave you, and then you start holding that over somebody else's head. You start thinking, well, I'm better than you because I'm better than you at this, and you're only better than someone in that situation if you even are better than that person in that situation because God allowed you to be better than that. Because God gave you that talent, because God gave you that ability, and this is why Solomon would write in the book of Proverbs that by pride, only by pride goeth contention. I want you to notice, secondly, in Acts 12, look at verse 23. We read already that He gave this oration. He had his nice clothes on. They gave him the compliments. They gave him the flattery. They said, this is the voice of a man and not of God. And in verse 23, the Bible says this, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. And when he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost, he was no longer able to dress himself nicely. 
He was no longer able to sit on his nice throne. He was no longer able to give orations. And here's what I'd like you to understand. Not only is everything that we have to be proud about given to us by God, but you need to understand this as well, and I'd like you to write this down. Everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. You know those things you like to brag about? Your house, your car, your success, your beauty. You know that there's nothing that you have that wasn't given to you? But you know even scarier than that? There's nothing that you have that can't be taken from you. I mean, in 24 hours, you could lose it all. Read the book of Job. I mean, in a very short amount of time, your entire life could be flipped over and everything you had that brought so much contention into your life, everything you had that you were so arrogant about, that you were so boastful about, that you were so proud about, that you held over people, that you pitied and looked down on others, that you caused fights and arguments because you're so good and they're so not. And it's even better when we spiritualize it. Oh, it's not a pride thing. I'm just a way better soul winner. No, that's pride. I'm just so spiritual. No, you're not. You're carnal. I'm just so right with God. No, you're actually the opposite of being right with God because God hates pride. And here's what you need to understand is that anything you have and everything you have was given to you by God. But even scarier than that, anything you have and everything you have can be taken from you by God. Go to 2 Chronicles 26. 2 Chronicles 26. In the Old Testament, you've got all those one and two books together. They're all clustered together. 1 Second Samuel, 1 Second Kings, 1 Second Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 26. I want you to notice the story. We're going to develop the story a little bit. And I want you to get the details. And we could have gone to a lot of different places. But I'm just going to focus in on this story because it's just a, uh, an interesting story. But here's the point. God is in control of your promotion. God is in control of your prosperity. If you're going to be promoted in life, if you're going to prosper in life, if you will receive the blessings of God and the favor of God, realize this, as a Bible-believing Christian, as a child of God, we're not talking about the world, we're talking about you. And I, I try to say this often. As a Christian, you don't get to play the game of life by the same rules that the world does. They might cheat and steal and succeed, but that's not you. You've got a heavenly father who corrects and who chastens and who is working on you and working with you and working in you. And you need to understand that in your life, if you're going to succeed, that God is in control of that success. God is in control of that promotion. Are you there in 2 Chronicles 26? Look at verse 3. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. Just a, a teenager, just a young person. And he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. And by the way, 16-year-olds can live for God. I hope, I, I, I hope that, and I know we do, but I hope that we will continue to have young people that love the Lord and that serve God. And here we're told about Uzziah. He was 16 years old. And he began to reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Notice verse 4. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God. In the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long, notice what it says, don't miss this. You might want to underline this in your Bible. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. 
That's an interesting state. That's an interesting statement there. Here's here's the point of that statement. God is in control of your promotion. God is in control of your prosperity. God is in control of your success. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Notice verse 7. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians and dwelt in Gerbael and Mehunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. And his name was spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. Why? For he strengthened himself exceedingly. This guy is winning in every area of life. He's winning in his kingdom. God is helping him. God is blessing him. Notice verse 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks and to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. This guy was well known. He was famous. He had a great reputation. God helped him. God blessed him. He was prospering. He was uh, just hitting it out of the park when it came to life. Why? The Bible tells us. Because he sought God, and God helped him. Because he sought God, and God blessed him. Notice verse 16, though. But when he was strong, and this is usually when things go wrong. See, see, what I've learned over the last nine years of ministry is that people will walk into this place and they are so humbled. Their lives are a mess. Their finances are a mess. Their marriage is a mess. Their parenting's a mess. They've made a mess of life. And they come into a church like this and they hear me preach about finances and family and this and that and they're just like, whoa, I need that. I need those truths. I need to apply that. And they're just learning and they're growing and praise the Lord for it. But you know what I've noticed will sometimes happen is those same people just a few years down the road, once they're a little stronger, once life is a little better, once finances have kind of increased and things have kind of slowed down, Notice verse 16, but when he was strong, don't miss it, his heart was lifted up. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Don't, don't, don't miss it. To his destruction. You say, why? Because pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord. So here's what happens. This guy is winning in so many areas of life that he thinks, and I won't take the time to develop the whole story, but he now thinks that he can walk into the temple and he can do a job that is not his to do. God had given specific instructions that in the temple, only the Levites and only certain people were supposed to do certain things, and this was not the job of a king. But this king is doing so well in so many areas of life that now he thinks that now he thinks that he can overstep his boundaries into an area that he has no authority. And he went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So what happens? Look at verse 20. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. 
and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. And here's all you need to understand. Not only is God in control of your promotion, but God is also in control of your demotion. And anything you have, anything you have to be proud about was given to you by God. That's an awing thought. That's a humbling thought. There's nothing I have. There's no success that I have. There's nothing that I have that wasn't given to me by God. But you know what will put the fear of God in you is when you realize that anything you have to be proud about can be taken from you by God. This is why the Bible says in Psalms, you don't have to turn there, Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth uh, down one and setteth up another. See, God can give you what you need to succeed, and God can take from you and can cause you to fail. Go back to Acts chapter 12. I'd like you to notice the third thing in this story. We'll, we'll be done. Acts chapter 12. I said, number one, everything we have to be proud about was given to us by God. I said, number two, everything we have to be proud about can be taken from us by God. Number three, everything we have to be proud about, everything we have to be proud about should be used by us to bring glory to God. Acts 12, 23, notice what, he, what the Bible says. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Why did the angel of the Lord smite him? Here's why. Because he gave not God the glory. See, it wasn't Herod's fault that the people gave him all these compliments and this flattery. But at that moment, he should have said, no, 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 no. Just know something. Everything I have was given to me by God. And everything I have can be taken from me by God. So if there's anything that I'm doing that is worth glorying, let's just give that glory to God. Because God gave me that talent, God gave me that skill, God gave me that success, God gave me those riches, God gave me that health, God gave me that wealth, God gave me that beauty, God gave you whatever it is that God gave you. God gave it to you so that you can use it to bring glory to God. Everything we have to be proud about, and anything you have that you might potentially be proud about, realize that God gave that to you to bring glory to God. And just know this, just know this, that when we diminish God, and I don't know if you kept your place in James. I asked you to keep your place in James. Go, go to 1 Peter. If you kept your finger in James, it's just right, right next to that. You got 1 Peter. Here's how it works. Let me just help you with this. When you diminish God in your life, God will diminish you. And when you exalt God in your life, God will exalt you. This is why John said... He must increase, and I must decrease. Because John understood that when I diminish God, when I take my talents, my abilities, my successes, my riches, my wealth, the things that I didn't even give myself, that God gave me, when I take those things and turn them around to bring glory to myself, when I diminish God, then God turns around and diminishes me. You say, but I want God to favor me. I want God to help me. I want God to help me succeed. I want to be exalted by God. Well, then exalt God, and God will exalt you. 
First Peter 5, look at verse 5. First Peter 5, 5, notice what the Bible says. First Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And I want you to notice that sometimes it seems like that phrase there is kind of out of context. Why is God telling us to submit ourselves unto the elder? Then he says, yea, all be subject one to the other. And the idea there, he's talking about submitting yourself to those who have proper authority. The younger should submit themselves to the elder. But then he says that all of us should be subject one to another. And you say, well, what does that have to do with what he's about to say? Because he's telling us about submission. And then he's saying, uh, talks about pride. He says, and be clothed with humility. And you say, well, what, what does that have to do with the other? And here's the point. Whenever you don't humble yourself, whenever you don't submit yourself, is because you've got a pride problem. When you are having an issue with an authority in your life, whether it's your parents' kids, whether it's your employer, sir, whether it's your pastor or whatever it is, whatever, whether it's your husband, wife, whenever you have a problem with an authority in your life, realize that the underlying cause is pride. Why? Because by pride cometh contention. Because every conflict and every contention has its root in pride. And here he says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you. You say, well, what does that mean? All of us are supposed to be subject one to another? Here's, here's a commentary on that verse. The Bible says that we ought to esteem other better than ourselves. And when we do that, we have put on the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet he humbled himself. And he brought himself low. So he says, hey, submit yourselves one to an elder. Here's the point. When you have a problem with submission, when you have a problem with submitting, when you're constantly complaining and criticizing about the authority in your life, it's a pride problem. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Don't miss it. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So when you want to diminish God or when you diminish God, God will diminish you. When you take the glory that belongs to God and you turn it around to yourself, then God says, okay, well, if you're going to glorify yourself, then I guess I don't need to glorify you. In fact, God says, I will resist you. God says that I will bring you down. See, when we diminish God, when we diminish God, God will diminish you. Go to Genesis 41. Genesis 41. First book in the Bible should be fairly easy to find. Genesis 41. And let me just explain this to you, though. The reverse of this is also true. Say, okay, I get it. If I diminish God, God will diminish me. So don't diminish God. But I want you to understand something. The reverse is also true, and the reverse is this. When I exalt God, God will exalt me. When I promote God, God will promote me. And we find this throughout the Bible, but there are two examples that are my favorite examples to kind of bring this application home from the Bible. And I'd like to share them with you. The first one is Joseph. Because if you remember, Joseph got promoted by God. I mean, we saw it this morning. We won't take the time to read it. But you had the world power at the time, the the, the nation of Egypt, which would be like the United States of America of that day. It was the, the empire. It was the world power. And you had Pharaoh who took Joseph out of prison, and he made him the second in command. He said, only in the throne will I be greater than you. I don't know about you, but to go from 
I mean, if I was in prison, just getting out of prison would be good. In fact, that was his request. He told the butler, remember me. I didn't do anything wrong. Get me out of prison. But man, not only did he get out of prison, he became the most powerful, second only to Pharaoh in the entire land of Egypt, the most powerful kingdom in the world. That's quite a promotion. You say, well, I'd, like to get, I'd just like to get a promotion at work. Well, when you promote God, God will promote you. When you exalt God, God will exalt you. And I want you to notice why I think that God promoted Joseph. Now, you study the life of Joseph. It's obvious why God promoted Joseph. Joseph was a great character in the Bible. But I want you to notice, I love this whenever I read this. In Genesis Genesis 41, 15, we have Joseph about to get promoted, right before he gets promoted. In fact, this is the reason why he gets promoted. He gets brought out of prison because Pharaoh had a dream that nobody could interpret. And the butler remembers that there was this young kid in prison who is able to interpret dreams. And they bring him out in order to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. Genesis 41, 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. Notice, the, the, the contrast here is no one can do this. Everyone has failed. No one has succeeded. There is none that can interpret it. And I, notice this. I mean, how would you respond to this? The most powerful man on earth says, I have a problem and no one can fix it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Now, unfortunately, you know what most people would say at this point? Well, Pharaoh, let me tell you a little bit about my life. Well, I'm glad that I'm finally getting the recognition I deserve. And that's exactly why we don't get promoted. Because I want you to notice Joseph's response, verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, Pharaoh, let's get one thing straight. It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You want to know why Joseph was promoted? Because when given the opportunity to glory in himself, he chose to bring glory to God. Because when given the opportunity to exalt himself, he chose to exalt God. When given the opportunity to promote himself, he chose to promote God. And here's all I want you to understand. When you diminish God, God will diminish you. But when you exalt God, God will exalt you. And he says, it is not in me. He says, it's not, I'm not, it's not because I'm more talented. Here's what Joseph would say. If I can do this, it's not because I have it. If I can do it, it's because God gave it to me. And let me tell you something, Pharaoh. If God gave it to me, God can take it away. So let me just go ahead and give the credit to God. It is not in me, but God. It is not in me, but God. He says, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, towards the end of the Old Testament. You've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. At the beginning of the New Testament, we had Joseph, a young uh, man who was taken into captivity. And he finds himself before the most powerful man on earth at that time. Towards the end of the Old Testament, we have another young man, Daniel, who is also taken into captivity and also finds himself now in front of the most powerful man uh, on earth at that time. Now Daniel's in Babylon, which is like the United States of America of that day, the most powerful nation on earth with the most powerful king before him. And Nebuchadnezzar has a similar problem. He had a dream and no one could interpret it. Notice what the Bible says, Daniel 2.26. The king answered and said to Daniel, 
whose name was Belteshazzar. He says, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? And again, we find Daniel. We find Daniel, who in every kingdom under every king found himself exalted and promoted. And you say, well, why, why, why is that? Why is it that everywhere Daniel goes, he's promoted? Everywhere Daniel goes, he's promoted. I, I think it's because of one reason. When you promote God, God will promote you. And when you exalt God, God will exalt you. And here we have Daniel, uh, Daniel, similarly to Joseph, standing before the most powerful man on earth. And he's asked a question. He's asked, art thou able to make known unto me the dream? A perfect opportunity for Joseph to exalt himself. A perfect opportunity for Joseph to say, yes, I can, but before we do that, let me tell you about Potiphar's wife. Yes, I can, but before we do that, let me tell you about my brothers and what they did. Yes, I can, but before we do that, let me tell you about everyone who's ever done me wrong because I want to get my revenge. No, that's not what he did. He says, Are thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king had demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. So he's bringing up the fact that no one else has been able to show you this king. And you start to get a little worried about Daniel. Daniel, are you about to take the glory for this? Are you about to take the credit for this? Are you about to uh, exalt yourself? But notice verse 28, he says, But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And make it known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dreams and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And he goes on to interpret the dream. And here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to get. When we diminish God, God will diminish us. But when we exalt God, God will exalt us. Which is why Peter wrote, if you can go back to First Peter. I'm not sure if you kept your place there. I meant to ask you to keep your place there. 1 Peter 5. We've read verse 5, but I'd like you to notice verse 6. In verse 5, he said that God resisted the proud. And he says, for that reason, for that reason. Here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, because God will diminish those who diminish him, and God will exalt those who exalt him. He says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Okay, I want to have the favor and the blessing of God. Step one, stay humble. Step two, give God the glory. Quit telling me how great you are at whatever. You're worthless. And I'm not saying that because I'm you, Pastor, you're getting a little. No, look, we're all worthless. Do you realize that? You, you realize that we all deserve to die and go to hell? That's what we deserve? And we want to walk around with our heads up high like we've accomplished something because we're doing something for God. Look, anything we do for God is our reasonable service. Anything we do for God is what's least expected of us to serve God with our life when Jesus gave his life for us. So before you start getting proud of all your abilities and your intellect and your knowledge, and I know this and I've got that and I've got this put together and I'm a better husband than that husband and I'm a better wife than that wife and look at where I live versus where they live. Realize that everything you have was given to you by God. And everything you have can be taken from you by God. So you better just give God the glory. Because if you diminish God, God will diminish you. And if you exalt God, God will 
exalt you. So he says, and I wish Herod would have heard this, humble yourself before God. Because he's the one, he's the one that can favor you, that can help you, that can bless you. You say, I don't need this sermon. All right, just know this. Pride brings contention, and pride brings destruction. And it'd be wise of all of us to stay far away from pride. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for these stories you've given us, these principles in Scripture, Lord. The truth is this, that we can live better lives if we would just follow the Scriptures. If we would learn the principles in the Bible and apply them to our lives, if we would look at the examples that were given to us in the Word of God, then we could learn and live happier lives, more blessed lives. And Lord, I, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd help us in every area, whether it's our finances like we learned this morning, whether it's our personal relationship skills like we learned tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who want to seek out the biblical principles in the Bible and leverage them in our lives, apply them to our lives, that we might live better lives. Lord, thank you for not just leaving us in this world without hope. You gave us salvation and you gave us these scriptures to guide us through life. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to be able to look in the mirror and identify pride in our lives and help us to understand that all it'll bring is contention and destruction. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.